0: So traditionally, when Americans think of sport, we think of the sports that we're signing up our children for when they're three, four, five, six, seven, eight years old. I'm thinking of sports like football, soccer, basketball, maybe tennis, maybe golf. If you're in an area where that's a sport that's popular, we think of a ball, a basket, maybe some type of sticker club. I think of Monday night football. I think about college football, college game day on Saturdays. But listen, folks, the times have already changed and the entertainment industry evolves by the minute, the hour, and the day. Enter America's fastest growing sports property, professional bull riding. With 82 and a half million fans in the U.S., PBR is becoming mainstream entertainment across every television in every single state in this great country. And I'll tell you what, it's in 130 other countries and territories around the entire world. Today, you're going to get to hear from the steward and visionary leader of it all, the commissioner and CEO of Professional Bull Riders. My new friend, welcome to At The Podium. Hello again, and welcome to At The Podium with Manuel mesqua I'm a financial advocate, CEO, father, husband, and as all of you know, a massive sports fan. I'm obsessed with encouraging people to dream and attack the unique vision they have for their life so that they can inspire others to do the same. We built this entire podcast on the simple premise and commitment of sharing the stories of high performers so that we can help convert those stories into golden tickets and lessons that help you get closer to your hopes and dreams, specifically in your life. Folks, today my guest is Sean Gleason. Sean is the commissioner and CEO of Professional Bull Riders. He has championed this sport into one of America's fastest growing sport properties and entertainment interests. He's overseeing nearly every single aspect of the sport in partnership with the most incredible team that he's built. This covers the corporate and marketing, the sponsorship sales, fan relations, licensing, digital media, storytelling, contracts with different networks. They have an amazing docu-series called The Ride, and The Ride's airing on Amazon Prime Video. You cannot miss this. It's going to give you a firsthand look into the world of professional bull riding and what it takes, the disciplines, the sacrifices, the habits, the mindset, the work ethic it takes to be a top-performing athlete in the sport of professional bull riding. I know you are going to love today's conversation and all the things that you'll be taking away. So enjoy the discussion with Sean Gleason. Hey, I wanted to welcome everybody to another conversation at the podium with myself, Manuel Mesqua. And today I have a new friend, Sean Gleason. And look, folks, Sean did not play in the NFL. So let's get that box checked. But I will tell you, This is going to be an unbelievably exciting conversation around one of the fastest growing sports in the entire country, and it's professional bull riding. Sean Gleason currently serves as the commissioner and CEO of the Professional Bull Riders Organization Association. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on.
1: Glad to be here.
0: So, Sean, typically we dig deep with a bunch of these guys and gals on like, what was your childhood like? Where did the inspiration come from? Did you have a vision for what you're walking today in your life? Share with our listeners a little bit about where your love and your affection for bull riding came from and how you got to the seat that you're in today.
1: Well, I grew up on the back of a horse in rural eastern Washington state, and Spent the better part of my youth trying to get out of that town, and I managed to do that. So the first step in my career was 10 years in the music business, running a BMG distributed record label and video label, and then saw the writing on the wall and that and thought that the next big chapter would be computer games. And so I went to Sierra Online and ran the Sierra Sports Division and made a bull riding computer game. And, you know, after I left that small town, I spent the next 15 years trying to figure out how to get back to it or to some of those roots. And when I saw bull riding and PBR for the first time, I fell in love with it. And a couple of years later, I joined up as the COO and I'm in my 23rd or 24th year now with PBR. I'm 21 years as a financial advisor and people will say like,
0: hey, was there ever a time that you thought about making a pivot? Did you have one of those moments ever?
1: I think the pivot was when I came to PBR, really. I'd spent a lot of years in Seattle and then in Oregon for the computer game company. And I loved that part of the world, but I really wanted to get back to some cowboy roots, raise my kids on horses. And so the stars aligned and PBR was such a cool upcoming opportunity. It was the best entertainment product that I thought I'd ever get a chance to work with. And I was right. I was standing in Nashville, Tennessee at the old Coliseum, a small little building. I was dead set on making the rodeo computer game. So we made NASCAR racing and we made NFL football pro and we made a bunch of traditional sports games, but we also made trophy bass and trophy hunting, which were really the first casual sports games out there. And At one point in time, I had the number one and number two best-selling computer games of all time with Trophy Bass and NASCAR. And so we wanted to find something else in that space. And this thing called PBR kept popping up in our research. So I was standing in Nashville, Tennessee, first time, watched the dirt burn with the PBR letters in it, and those riders come out, and I was hooked. It was the moment that I knew that I'd be working here. I really did. And then it was about two or three years. I got a couple versions of the game out. I think it was probably the first real licensed product that PBR had ever done. And I met the CEO at the time, Randy Bernard, and came to him a couple of years later and said, I want to come in. And I think there were probably eight to 10 of us in total at the office back in those days. And so I joined as the COO and A little while later, I was the president, COO, and then eventually CEO, and then I gave myself another title and commissioner. Take a step
0: back, though. I mean, there's been a ton of innovation in this space, and I know that you've been a part of some of those most significant moments and achievements. Can you share with our listeners some of the things that have transpired over those 20 to 25 years that have really brought this sport into mainstream America Looking at the data on this thing now and some of the things that are being aired on CBS, you've got a, over a million viewers per event. You've got over 80 million acknowledged fans of this sport in the US. That's 20 to 25% of the country's population. Speak to some of the moments of innovation where you say, Hey, these one or two things, these really helped us take that next step forward. I think you've got to go
1: back to the innovation of 20 bull riders that broke away from the sport of rodeo and invested a thousand bucks a piece to start the PBR. So they were the true innovators. They believed that bull riding could stand on its own, that if you match the best guys up with the best bulls week in and week out, that we could sell more traditional mainstream markets. And so they were well on their way when I joined, but they were smaller markets. They were Columbus, Georgia, and El Paso, Texas, and a few other places. But I'd say the huge steps were when we bought our TV rights back. So the original founders had granted their television rights in perpetuity to an individual. And that put them on TNN at the time. That sandwiched them between the hunting and fishing shows and NASCAR, which is why PBR kept showing up on my radar when I was doing the research. But we bought our TV rights back, and we put our first network television show on NBC in, I believe, 2001 on Thanksgiving weekend. And the networks were really reluctant to put bull riding on television. And so we had a lot of negotiating to do, and we made some deals and said that if we got a 1.0 or higher rating, we'd get some additional time. We did a 2.1 rating on that first show, and it really started the ball rolling forward on improving our media package overall, as well as getting in front of a broader audience on network television. That was a huge step forward. Since then, we've been through a few different media deals, but bringing our production in-house in 2013-14 and then doing the CBS deal was another big, huge lift for the PBR. But There's been a lot of them, you know, bucking bulls in Times Square to get the attention of the media and then ultimately establishing our event in Madison Square Garden, taking the event into AT&T Stadium 14 years ago and telling the world that we could play a stadium that size. And there's just been a lot of things that we've taken risks on that candidly could have bankrupted the company at certain points in time. But in order to get to our goals, we knew we had to dream big. I love that story. There
0: are some specific moves that have been made in the last 10 to 15 years that have just paid off tremendously that were huge, huge, huge risks. When you think back to some of the objectives that you set and the strategies that you pursued, are there one or two people that really stand out to you as like, hey, these guys are gals. This is where the vision, the belief, the conviction, the unflinching obsession about this sport growing into what it is today was really born from.
1: It was honestly, it was born from the 20 bull riders and the board of directors that guided us up to 2007. You want to talk about risk takers, have a board of bull riders as the financial and business strategists that you're accountable to. And they give you a little latitude and a lot of rope to climb to the top. But the beauty about those original founders was they were dead set on establishing bull riding as a sport where the future generations could make a professional living from it because they had been going for years, beating up their bodies and selling a lot of tickets, but they weren't getting paid. And they'd come out at the end of the year after paying entry fees and driving up and down the road, and they'd come out with literally nothing. To show for it and have to find a way to put food on the table other ways. So they had a different perspective than most business owners do, I think, in those early days. And it was, what the hell, let's roll the dice. And so we'd have some board meetings, they'd be pretty interesting. Randy and I'd walk in and say, well, we got to spend this many millions on this or that or whatever it might be. And if we're wrong, it could bankrupt the company. And they're like, Yeah, we don't care about that. But that bull that yanked down J.W. Hart last weekend, we got to ban that bull. He's too nasty. It was a great era and a great entrepreneurial story. At the end of the day, it was hard work, commitment, dedication, and just an unyielding belief that we can make this work.
0: I love that. We talk about it a lot in business and in your business, it translates, right? Like you don't really lose until you fully quit. There's no reconciliation of the cash register fully until you've just completely given up. There's always a chance if you're still working at it. One of the things I loved in what you shared earlier, and I was aware of this, and I was very curious about it because in business, we see a ton of subject matter expertise out there saying, hey, outsource everything you're not great at. And I did know that you brought the production in-house. And so no matter what industry, no matter what vertical you're in, there's a lot of companies that that decision alone is weighing very heavily on their board or on the leadership team that are the stewards for that organization. Do you recall back to when that decision was made and what that was like that you could share with our listeners?
1: I've got a completely opposite view on that particular issue. Maybe it's because I'm a control freak, but I also have been fairly successful at building the internal resources that have the passion and the desire to go make it happen. They have PhDs. They have passion, hunger, and desire. And I'll take passion, hunger, and desire any day of the week over some subject matter expert that wants a buck or two and doesn't really give a shit about your brand or your business. And that's not really fair to say. Most of them care a little bit. But what they don't do is dive into the weeds and understand the fabric of your brand. And that's particularly true for bull riding. It is not mainstream. It has always kind of lived in the fringes. And so to understand what motivates our business and our fans and the response that we've gotten from mainstream America, as well as the traditional Western lifestyle enthusiasts, you really got to dig deep. And so, what I've found over the years is that outside agencies that might have subject matter expertise, they don't have the passion, hunger, and desire. Mm -hmm. And so, we started bringing everything in-house the day I got there in 1999. And bringing television in-house was really the last piece of the puzzle for us because everything else we had brought in from our marketing to our production and event business, everybody that runs our shows on a worldwide basis are an employee of this company or a virtually full-time IC. Were there some wins and losses in that decision?
0: Are there sort of business lessons that you're comfortable opening up about?
1: We did a lot of it with one arm tied behind our back. Our headquarters are in Pueblo, Colorado, you're bull riding. So you get a lot of people making assumptions about our business and our sport based on what they've learned from the media or a movie somewhere. And so recruiting the right talent to the jobs that we needed to fill if we were going to do it internally has always been a challenge. But we've done it. And we built one brick at a time. We've got the greatest team in sports and entertainment. I'll put them up against anybody on any front from production of the shows to the execution of our television property, to the marketing of the events, to sponsorship sales, every aspect of it is really pros at every level and and they show it week in and week out. We have about 150 events in the US and we have tours in Australia, Brazil, Canada. We're restarting in Mexico with a handful of events and have long-term plans to get back there in a big way. It's a lot. We've got three different tours in the US that are putting on events pretty much every weekend of the year. You can find a minimum of two PBR events somewhere between the different tours that we operate. Last year, we launched an entirely new division of this company with PBR teams, and we sold eight team franchises and really had just a blockbuster first year of that. And we're already looking at expansion. Share the vision
0: for PBR teams and what can viewers expect when they tune in for that?
1: Well, we started experimenting with an event called the World Cup. We actually held that in a few different places, including Chihuahua, Mexico, and Australia. And it was a team-based international bull riding competition. And watching the bull riders in a team environment was transformative. You saw the riders, for the first time really in history, getting some instruction from some other folks, a coach and although it was limited it was really impactful in their riding percentages and their performance level and so i took note of that many many years ago in in the mid 2004 2005 when we started having those events and the plan started percolating then and in 2007 we sold the pbr business for the first time to a private equity firm out of New York. And I actually wrote the plan for PBR Teams in 2007. But it wasn't until the Endeavor acquisition in 2015 and really COVID that allowed us to put the team's plan into motion. And so we put it in motion and and launched last year and it was a huge success. But it's really about... The bull riders' performance, but also team sports are very, very easy for a casual fan to understand, and individual bull riding is not. So we believe that there's a lot of momentum and future growth based on the team's platform where it's five on five, and you put the score in a bucket, and it goes on the board, and it's a really easy format for fans to understand. I'm a huge
0: fan of our friends at Sporta Kings out in L.A. And as a listener of this show, you've got to check them out. Sporta Kings is an L.A.-based clothing brand that was started by two surfers and longtime friends. The story is incredible. They carry a wide range of premium tees, hoodies, sweats, caps, and more. And they're designed in-house, folks, made locally in Los Angeles, and Orange County Samantha and Ava and Atlas say Dad, you're either in a blue suit and white shirt Or Sporta Kings And they're right, that's about it Don't forget, Sporta Kings is a homegrown brand Focused on quality over quantity And if you go check them out online At S-O-K-F-Y So basically, Sporta Kings Forever Young S-O-K-F-Y dot and use the promo code PODIUM, you'll receive 20% off your entire order. Again, that's sokfy.com. and use the promo code PODIUM at checkout for 20% off. And now back to the show. All of this momentum and success has really, I think, paved the way in some meaningful way to this next thing that we're going to talk about, which is the new docu-series that's going to be dropped on Prime Video called The Ride. Can you share a little bit with our listeners about the vision for that and what they can expect around tuning in for The Ride?
1: One of my challenges over the years, I, I always say that we build this business one fan and one brick at a time, and we've had to over the years. You know, It's like pushing a big rock up the hill and <laughs> You just got to keep pushing it. And then the minute you let go, it rolls right over the top of you. There is no magic sauce to just flash in the pan, get into the mainstream with a sport like ours. And so you have to do it just constantly churning and have people discover you. And one of my favorite things is going to an event with somebody like yourself, nothing personal, but you come out to the first event yeah. and no matter what you think of it, no matter what you take away from our conversation today, You're going to grab me by both arms and go, that was fantastic. It's nothing like I thought it was going to be. And so telling the story of our Uh, bull riders has been a challenge, getting shoulder programming and non-competition storytelling out there, because a lot of people, they just don't relate to the cowboy hat. It scares off some people because it's unfamiliar or... They don't know anybody that rides a bull. They've never seen anybody ride a bull. They don't know why anybody would ride a bull. And so they think it's not for them. But that translates then into this perception I think that the average consumer thinks that a bull rider comes from Planet Bull Rider. They get beamed down here into a pickup (laughs) truck. They drive the truck to the venue. They hand somebody the beer and say, watch this. But these are 18 to twenty something thirty year old kids that are some of the best athletes on the planet. they're training for this. they have to suffer through injuries and things that that most athletes just don't have to suffer through, and they're as committed to their craft as any professional athlete on the planet and when you tell that story, people fall in love with them because they're as humble as can be, but they're just any average eighteen to twenty something-year-old American kid that just happened to grow up in a world in which they were introduced to bull riding. And so the ride, we've got a few projects out there. We've got a great series called Last Cowboy Standing on Fox Nation right now, but the ride is the best insight into PBR bull riders, their mentality and their lives as they traverse this brand new thing called the team series. And it, I'm biased, of course, but I've watched them all. It is the best content series out of all of them. Formula One, Full Swing. I mean, just the stories and the thing, the drama that un- unfolds. It's spectacular. It's great viewing. So this is not a direct sort
0: of correlation, but it's still about the outdoors and the beauty of nature and animal and the relationship between man and an animal. It just harmonious things could be maybe wearing a cowboy hat. But Yellowstone is like this, like insane phenomena. It doesn't matter if you're in downtown New York city or in Miami or in El Paso, Texas, people have really connected with that show. And I think some of it is based on some of the things you just reference characteristically about just people who fall in love with things about nature and animals and the relationship between us and them. Has that had an influence or an impact on PBR?
1: It definitely has. I take a little offense to, Oh, Yellowstone's probably making you successful because we've been doing this for 30 years in Madison square garden and New York city. And yeah. you know it's pushing that rock up the hill. And in fact, The first two seasons of Yellowstone, they bought a sponsorship from us and their number one markets were where we promoted them. So we helped get Yellowstone at start too. That's why I asked, because I did read a little bit
0: about the history and that's why I asked, did it have an impact on your business? Because your business was here well before Kevin Costner was doing whatever to dream this up with other people, right? Yeah,
1: we were doing pretty well before him. We're doing even better now that Taylor and his crew have gotten... cowboy hat and the vernacular into the mainstream. And I'm no dummy. We just finished shooting with Cole Hauser, the character on Yellowstone, who is our new brand ambassador. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. We want to rule the world. So I'm not afraid to take advantage of that. Yes. In popular culture and really ride the wave and help the wave continue. That's what we need to do.
0: I love what you acknowledge. And I think that's why I posed my question the way I did, because in the due diligence and the research we were doing preparing for a conversation today, I think some people might look at like PBR and say, oh, you know, thank God for shows like Yellowstone. It's like, no, you know, it's great to hear you say, hey, yes, it's had some impact and some influence in the trajectory. And there's definitely value in the partnership. Those are good business decisions. But at the end of the day, this is the thing that I go back to, and why I was excited for us to meet and connect today, which is This has been going on for three decades, and it was probably going on for a few decades before we were thinking about it.
1: Yeah, a long time. The whole thing with the cowboy culture, the Western lifestyle is that it's cyclical like other fads or trends or whatever you want to call them, but this country was founded on cowboys. Rodeo was the first sport. There's nobody that can claim any other first sport. (laughs) Baseball? No, sorry. About 50 years before that, Cowboys were riding bulls and roping. So it was the first sport. And if you go back through the 50s, Madison Square Garden held a 30 day rodeo. It was insane in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. And then you came through the John Travolta urban cowboy lift (laughs) a little bit. And, you know, that one was for us Cowboys, I was like, oh, really? Okay, whatever. That would have been the one where I'd say, yeah, that helped us for a little while, but then it went right back to what it was. But right now, it's really the growth of PDR, the growth of Yellowstone, the growth of rodeo in general, horsemanship and people, the things that are going on and just generally appreciating the lifestyle, the animals, those things. This time, it feels like it's going to be something that lasts for a lot longer than a flash in the pan from a movie or a TV series. But. Like I said, we were selling a lot of tickets before Yellowstone came along. We're driving a lot of viewership. And who's to say that our growth isn't just natural? We can't really tell if Yellowstone's had a lift on it or not. So
0: you mentioned earlier, one of the things that I think is going to be really exciting about tuning in for the ride on Prime Video is the sort of behind the scenes, the real authentic story. And path and journey that these young men and women follow because they have a love for the sport. Right. And so you alluded to the fact that there's a a tremendous amount of sacrifice and discipline and training and learning that has to occur for people to perform at the highest level and eventually get on one of these teams. Hopefully someday. And I know there's already young men and women dreaming all over the place. As soon as that launched, you think about like the Ryder Cup with golf, there's a reason why team sport is so attractive right people love connection to humans they love being a great teammate most people aspire to do great things and contribute to a greater cause and so can you speak a little bit to when do young men and women really get devoted and committed and disciplined to the sport and at about what time would you say from the outside looking in when somebody's got it
1: you know yeah, when like um, hey that's something to follow That's a topic of much conversation around here. There's two great athletes in PBR. There's the human athletes, and then there's the bull athletes. And the bull athletes, they're phenomenal creatures, phenomenal athletes. And in the PBR era, they've had a good 10 or 15 generations of advancement, and it's genetic. A PBR bucking bull, it's in their DNA that makes them buck. There's no negative stimulation. There's no torture. It's absolutely what they do. A racehorse runs fast and a PBR bucking bull is bred to come out, jump, kick and spin. And so they've had many, many generations of breeding because their life cycle is about seven to 10 years. The human athletes are falling behind the bull power these days. And so what we need is more athletes starting at a younger age to really start learning the mechanics and good mechanics. So we have a PBR Sport Performance Center here in Pueblo, Colorado. We're looking to open another one in Texas. And we're on a very active campaign really to convince great athletes that they should be bull riders. You know, what's the world's best college wrestler in the 150-pound weight class going to do when they get done with their career? The answer is they're going to follow their degree or they're going to choose a different path. But If they were a bull rider somewhere in that path, they could make 10 to $15 million in career earnings before they start the rest of their career. So we're actively recruiting great athletes to consider bull riding as a sport, but it's the same challenge we have convincing consumers or viewers or anybody else, which is, hey, give us a try. You
0: mentioned the high-performing wrestler. Are there other sports that you say, hey this sport teaches some of the basic fundamental skills and disciplines that it takes to be successful in professional bull riding?
1: Really, it's physics. So the taller you are and the more you weigh, the less likely you are to be successful at bull riding because there's a lot of force in a bull ride, up to seven G's depending on the move of the bull. And so you don't have to be overly strong. You've got to have great core strength, not a lot of muscle mass, but use it well. Michael Johnson, we worked with him for a while and he described it best. He said, when I was running and winning Olympics, I didn't want to be the strongest, most fit guy. If there was an ounce of muscle in my left arm that didn't contribute to me running faster, I wanted to lose the muscle, not gain more of it. And in bull riding, it's a very similar thing. You have to be perfectly attuned to the moves that need to be made. There's so many athletic moves in a bull ride in eight seconds that you have to have great balance. You've got to have great reaction time. Michael actually started training bull riders eyes and making their eyes stronger because where your eyes go, your body goes. And so he realized fairly early that a guy with slow eyes is going to be behind that bull. And so it's those nuances. But to answer your question, it's really about The size of the athlete, 125 to 175 pounds, if you get over that, you're going to have too much mass for the force. And you don't want to be much over 5'10", 5'11", or you're going to go off the back end of the bowl a lot. And so I'd encourage gymnasts that want to be a part of it, wrestlers, but undersized college safeties ought to be looking at bull riding. They're not getting drafted in the NFL. They want to come over and keep their sports career alive. Get over here and give bull riding a try. I love that. So basically, the only
0: aspect of who I am qualifies based on the fact that I'm 5'10 and three quarters an inches tall.
1: That would qualify. The it looks like you got a little too qualified. much muscle
0: mass going on, though. I mean, <laughs> I love it. I find it fascinating. And I love something you said earlier, which is having folks give it a chance. Go through the full experience one evening or one weekend, tuning in, whether it's on Fox Nation or Prime Video or CBS or anywhere else that you can find. I love this. I love the entire story. And even though I enjoy Yellowstone, I don't watch a lot of TV, so it's not because of that. But I do really enjoy the entire story. And again, when they mentioned that your willingness to come on and share the story for PBR and in your career trajectory, I was super excited. Is there anything else though that when you were a young boy, young man, that you're like, I'm going to do this? And you're like, I just still haven't checked that box.
1: To be honest, no. I could have ridden off into retirement. I'm 59 this year. So I could have ridden off into retirement with a few less headaches had I not launched the team series and been happy with my career and the things that I've accomplished here at the PBR. But you know, the team series is our future. I think it's going to be a massive growth engine. We've got a waiting list of 20 plus that want to buy teams right now. And we're working on the expansion plan. And so I'm going to see that through. And I think that's the last check mark i got to put on my career i love that other than being a professional football player which didn't work out for me when you
0: think about the millions of conversations you've had as just an advocate and unflinching believer in the sport the value of the sport on a human level entertainment level etc what is the most common misconception about the sport that you and your team face on a consistent basis that you're like, hey, this is one of the myths that people need to understand is a myth. It's not
1: a reality. The first and most common is always the animal issues. People think that we abuse the animals. People still think that a bull's testicles are tied up and that's why they buck. And if you're a man, I just say, really, would you buck if your testicles were tied up or would you lay on the ground and cry until somebody untied them?
0: That's the quote of the year, Sean, just so you know, you just got the quote of the year for the podcast.
1: <laughs> but there's a lot of people that still think that there's something negative in terms of stimulation, tying them up. That the flank strap is no tighter than mine and your belt right now. Literally, it's not as tight as our belts are around our waist. But people think that it's something negative that prompts that violent bucking reaction and yeah. the kicking and the spinning. And they do that in the field. It's just their nature. They come out and that's what they do. They're strong, muscular animals that are great at their job. That's a huge misconception. And the other one is that the athletes are just crazy cowboys that do this. Like I said, hold my beer and watch this. And that's frustrating, too, because you see how hard these guys work and what they have to go through, the injuries that they have to suffer through. The guy that was a front runner for this year's world championship broke his leg and was trying to ride with a cast on. He didn't, but he was going to go ride with a cast on because it's a meritocracy of epic proportions. The PBR Cowboys don't get paid unless they perform. No guaranteed contracts, and they don't have a desire to have them. The top bull riders in the world voted to take a small appearance fee that we were paying everybody that showed up at an event. And put it in the pool so that the winner would get more money. And when you see things like that in today's sports landscape, and that's the storyline, you just want to hear that goal. And think actually, I mean, let's, to- let's be clear.
0: That has not happened anytime time in the last several decades in any of the five major sports that are watched on television. So you yeah. think about that. And folks, I mean, for those that are going to listen to this episode, seriously. You talk about community and brotherhood and sisterhood and commitment to the sport and the success of the sport and not just the entertainment value, but the education that comes after people begin to enjoy as a fan and dig deeper on all of these other myths. I chuckled when you shared the first one, because I've heard that one so many times and I've Googled it. I just believe no one. I'm like the greatest Mexican son of Ronald Reagan, I trust but verify everything. Trust but verify, yep. And so I really appreciate you saying that. That lands very well with me. And I got to tell you, I mean, the ride coming on Prime Video, my humble opinion is that this thing is going to be bigger than what some of these other shows that have been on mainstream television for the sport, because it's going to give an actual accounting of the day in the life of these professional athletes really looks like.
1: Absolutely. It's great storytelling. Kinetic, who produced this for Amazon, they did a spectacular job of telling the story in a very authentic way. And the thing about bull riding and our sport in general is, you don't have to manufacture any drama. You really don't. And while it was extremely unfortunate that some of the stories that had to be told during this series, the 2022 World Champion's mother suffered a domestic violence incident with her ex-husband. Dalen's father, and he shot her in the head. And the story of her recovery and what it meant to Dalen and how that led him down the path to become a bull rider, it makes me cry every time I see it. And another great rider, Ezekiel Mitchell, his cousin was murdered in a domestic violence incident during the shooting of this thing. He was a professional bull rider as well. And then another great rider, Chase Outlaw, lost his daughter during the filming of this particular series. And there's some great positive stories in this too. That's not all a tearjerker. But the reality about our sport is you don't have to manufacture drama. You don't have to try and create rivalries or whatever it is to try and get viewers to stay engaged in it. And in these eight episodes, they're packed with more storytelling and ups and downs and humor and drama and sad stories than anything else I've ever seen. I've really enjoyed our time together. For our listeners who are
0: excited to be intentional and invest some time learning more about PBR and all the great things that you and your team are working on, give us an example of two to three places that they can find more information.
1: Well, PBR.com, of course. And then we have PBR Official, our app. Download the app. There's a great game. It's addictive during the events that you can play called Ride or Wreck, and choose the Cowboys going to make it or the Bulls going to win. I love it. And you said the ride the docu-series. It's an eight-episode docu-series. Correct. All eight episodes drop on Amazon Prime. And then there's a four-episode series called Last Cowboy Standing about some young guys trying to make our tour on Fox Nation that's out right now. Netflix, there's an older series called Fearless that is a great series primarily about our Brazilian bull riders. We've got a lot of international bull riders that compete at a high level, particularly from Brazil. And so there's enough material out there to start getting your 101 on PBR. But the best way is to tune in on TV, come out to one event. If you're not entertained, I'll give everybody their money back.
0: Look, folks, it was a privilege and a pleasure to be on with the commissioner and CEO of PBR Professional Bull Riders, Sean Gleason, today. You heard it from Sean. Tune into the ride on Amazon Prime Video, eight episodes. Fearless was out there on Netflix. There's a bunch of different ways to show up to the events that are coming up. Go to PBR.com, the official website. And at the end of the day, I will tell you what I've said many times before, even though I do not wear a cowboy hat often. The cowboy hat was here before the helmet I wore through college and my son wears today, the baseball helmet that he's worn in baseball and the golf hat that people wear on the golf courses. So much respect, Sean, to you, your team, and everything that PBR stands for. Just wishing you a ton of continued health, success, and happiness for you, your team, and especially your family.
1: Well, thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure.
0: Thanks, Sean. Folks, thanks so much for listening. And thanks for tuning in to my new friend, Sean Gleason's conversation. Connect with Sean on Instagram, at PBR CEO, PBR CEO. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to follow, rate, and review at the podium. You could do it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the show on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, at Podium underscore podcast. Post about the show on social media. Tag us, give us some love. We'll pay it forward. Remember, compliments are free. That's how it works. We will pay it forward by tagging you and sharing our gratitude. Also, as always, consider telling a friend about the show. Friend to friend is still the best way to get the word out about our extremely awesome and enjoyable conversations on the podcast. See you next time.